you so much. I appreciate, uh, I appreciate the opportunity. Um, you know, uh, I'll give you a little bit of background. So you, you mentioned it properly. Like I, I run a sales and marketing organization uh, for a software unit within a large organization. So my nine to five, um, I'm responsible for sales and marketing activities, basically all commercial activities, bringing new software products to market uh, for Grass Valley um, for audience engagement. And that's a lot of fun for me. Um, my background has always been uh, starting off in sales as a direct contributor um, and sort of moving my way up to, to more, you know, uh, larger markets and then eventually managing sales teams. Um, I've gone on to do my own consulting for a little bit, working with uh, a variety of different organizations, just very disruptive organizations. Um, I enjoyed that. And now I'm sort of uh, working again for someone um, in a capacity that I really enjoyed just sort of as a, a digital, uh, you know, like going, helping an organization through their own digital transformation. And so I've done a lot of different types of things throughout my career. Um, and I wanted to, you know, when I got this topic, uh, the 10X, how to, the 10X playbook, um, at, at first glance, it's a little bit like, okay, yeah, like, what are you going to talk about 10X? Like 10X, by definition, is to increase your business by a factor of 10, increase your revenue by a factor of 10, whatever that KPI is. And obviously, um, not a lot of companies can do that easily. And the playbook for that definitely depends on the context of the company, the industry, the environment, um, what you're selling to, who your customers are. But I just want to speak over a concept that will, I think, basically work in, in any industry. And, and the concept stems from how you sell to customers. So when you want to 10X your business, so you want to increase your business by a factor of 10, uh, every business will have a sales strategy. Every business will have a marketing strategy. Uh, there's, you know, all these different types of branded sales strategies. Uh, you know, you have Challenger, you have uh, Spin. Um, there's, the list is endless of, of sales strategies. And that's really like your sales playbook. You know, you understand your customers, you understand your pain points, you solve your customers' pain points with whatever solution you're selling. Um, and that's, that's sort of how sales works. Now, that's not new. That's not going to like 10x your business. So what, what do we have to do more than just a regular sales strategy? Well, if you think about how we solve customers' pain points, um, when, we, when we deliver our sales campaign to a customer, we focus on our marketing, our branding, our narrative, our messaging, our inbound, our outbound, our operations, our tech stack, our, our sales enablement, to help our sales reps spend more time selling and whatnot. And when you realize how many things are involved in selling to a customer, it's much more than just one conversation. Um, you have to understand that these are, these are the, the all, these, all these behaviors, all these different parts of a commercial business unit are what you have to focus on and what you have to align your messaging across. So what I mean by that is a great sales leader, a great marketing leader, a great revenue leader, they're going to build out an end-to-end -end process that leaves basically no point of interaction with the customer up to the imagination. Uh, traditionally, when you look at a sales organization um, and a marketing organization, in, in a lot of circumstances, those business units are traditionally siloed. So let's walk through the traditional sales process. A customer uh, hears about your product, uh, perhaps they go to a landing page, uh, they submit their email address on a form, that becomes a marketing qualified lead, that gets passed over to sales, an SDR or BDR calls out to that customer, 
and um, and then you know they book a demo, and AE follows up, and account executive follows up, and that's sort of like the traditional uh, linear sales process. And if you realize, if you take that mindset as to how you sell to a customer, um, after they become a marketing qualified lead in MQL, they almost get passed over to sales, and it's almost like you're after marketing's done with them, now it's the onus is on sales to close that deal, and that's how a lot of businesses work. But I think to understand the current customer environment to, again, 10x your business, you have to understand that customers don't buy that way. So why are you selling to them like that? And what I mean by that, when I say customers don't buy that way, is there's you know a variety of research out there that shows that between 50 to 70% of the research is done, 50 to 70% of the customer journey is completed uh, in terms of them finding the information they need to buy a product before they even uh, speak to somebody from your organization because they're going to your website, they're going to your social, they're going to you know, uh, 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 any sort of like peer review website and they're getting all of these stats and statistics and they're speaking to you know, their peers and, and they're looking at uh, references and whatnot all before they engage with you. And then they finally, you know, they go to your website, they, they put in a request for a sales demo and now your sales rep speaks to them. But, even as your sales rep is speaking to them, they're still looking at different parts of your website, at your social media for more information on the product. So you have to understand that the customer journey is no longer linear. And if for some reason, the messaging that the marketing is putting out there, that your social media is putting out there, the copy on your website isn't in line with what your SDRs are saying on the phone, which features are speaking about, which pain points are trying to solve, now you have an issue of trust because the customer has already done a ton of research. And if the research that they've done and the content that your company has put out there does not align with what your sales reps are speaking to them over the phone, now there's, it's a disjointed communication process between your marketing and your sales. And from the customer's point of view, all they feel is as if your organization is not aligned. So the, you know, if we speak about why people buy, people always buy with, uh, emotion and then they justify with logic. So you have to have that trust component and to build that trust component, you have to tailor your commercial organization, your marketing and your sales to be in line with how customers buy, which means that you have to understand as an organization that all the content you put out, all the, the scripts that your, you know, your SDRs are using every conversation that you have on social, uh, through your sales reps, all that, that all has to be aligned because, your customer is hitting all of your revenue channels repeatedly with or without your sales reps guidance at multiple points throughout the actual buying process. The buying process is extremely complex. It's no longer linear. And that's the true takeaway that I wanted to give over. If there's one thing to 10 extra business, it's to make sure that your marketing and your sales business units are completely aligned and understand how your customer buys and if you can align the messaging and the way that you interact with the customer so that their experience across your entire organization however they consume your brand is synonymous and and succinct and in line and congruent that is how you will build trust and that is how you will eventually close your deal close your customer whatnot so just understand how complex the buying process is because the customer has access to all this information um, and then align uh, your commercial organization. So when I say commercial organization, your sales and your marketing to sell to that kind of customer 
your smart customer, your knowledgeable customer uh, that knows more than they've ever known in history. So that, that's really the, the 10X playbook. It's just to really sell uh, the way your customer wants to buy. That's all I got. Okay, Scott. So we'll uh, actually jump up with the questions then. Okay, so the first question that we have is how to align sales and marketing to get 10x growth? Yeah, so the first question, so I spoke a little bit about this, but it comes down to um, the messaging. So literally, when you write the copy and you speak about the pain points that you're solving for your customer, make sure that when an SDR, a sales development rep is on the phone with the customer, make sure that they're speaking and reinforcing the things that the customer has already read on your website. So things like that, it seems so simple, but a lot of organizations don't do that. And how many times have you had a sales development rep that just goes off about a certain feature or function of a product that your company really doesn't even focus on that much on their website, just because they feel that's the best possible solution for the customer. They do that as a knee jerk reaction because they feel that the company hasn't provided enough marketing support material. So they know the customer well, which is fine, but true alignment is to get the feedback from the customer as to why they bought, get the feedback from the sales development rep as a, so, so marketing is speaking to sales, you know, the VP marketing speaking to the VP sales, VP sales is literally getting the conversations that the sales development rep is having and they're using the verbiage, the words that are using those conversations as part of their marketing material. You're having interviews with customers after they buy and you're, and you're asking the customer, why did you buy my product? And the customer is giving you a list of reasons and you're using those reasons as part of your marketing material. So that's really how you get that alignment. It's just communication across the organization. Right, right. So the next question that we have is for product, uh, the trust level takes time. So does it apply to 10X growth? Say that one more time, the, the which takes time? So for product, like yeah. building the trust level for a new product takes time. So does course, it apply yeah. for like the 10X growth? I think, I think um, there's two ways to look at 10X growth. So there's the quite literal way, which is truly getting achieving 10X what your business is today. Or there's like the, I guess, um, fantasized, I guess, you know, romanticized 10X, which is really just doing quite well, right? So I think when a lot of people say 10X growth, they don't actually mean I, I need to in one year take my business by a factor of 10 and grow it because that's an extremely large amount of growth in you know, one year, maybe in a, in a five-year plan, but not many businesses grow 10x year over year, except if you're looking at some extremely high growth startups. So I think that if you have like a mindset of growth, remove the, the 10x from it and just focus on the core components that enable growth. Now, if one of your KPIs and you're trying to sell to your shareholders that you're going to grow by 10x and you've modeled it out and that's a true growth goal, that's fine. But like 2x, 3x, 5x is still better than like 95% of companies, right? So I think just focus on the core principles, make sure that your goals are realistic so you can hit them. And that's a really a lesson for KPIs, like never set KPIs. You can set KPIs that you want to aspire to, but don't set things for your business that are going to demotivate you, demotivate your shareholders, demotivate your, your uh, employees if you don't hit it. So just make sure that whatever goals are 10x or 5x or 2x, um, just have the, the fundamentals in place so that you can reach that target, whatever it is in the one, two, five, 10 year plan. So we have the next question with, uh, from Chandan. He asks, if we send cold emails to customers, what resource should be added apart from normal pitch deck? So uh, the resources, traditional resources in cold email would be um, like a customer references, 
white papers, um, case studies. These are the traditional resources that you would generally use to reach out to a customer and get them excited. Um, I, I shy away from those. I don't like including any collateral in a cold email because if I just think about, again, it's changing your mindset to what the consumer wants. And if you think about getting an email from someone you've never heard about, and they're not only asking for your time, you know, think about first, okay, let me stop there. because This is a really good point. First of all, you have to get them to open the email. Then you have to get them to read the email. And then if you're lucky, you know, they'll actually reply to the email. So I think that sending them a PDF that's three pages long in an email is just ludicrous. You're never going to get that. You're never going to get them to read that or a very few or small percentage of people that you send that email to are actually going to read that. So I would suggest you don't send any collateral in a cold email. I say you focus on your copy. You focus on getting a response. I say you use a lot of video. I really like using video in cold email because it humanizes you. Um, but if you're not comfortable on video with cold email and you use like Vidyard, um, uh, what is another one? Uh, there's a few of them that you can use. Um, Lemless is another one. If you want to use some of these like cold email uh, video outreach tool, I think it's a great tool, but I would not, um, I would not use too much collateral. I don't even like using collateral if the customer is already somebody who I know because it's just, it's just too much text. So uh, I would say video and copy in a cold email with the only intent of getting them on the phone. If you just overwhelm them with PDFs, very few customers are going to care about that because I don't think you as a customer would care about that if somebody sent you a five page PDF. That's my opinion. At least they probably want to speak to somebody. So from Brooklyn, we have a question. He asks, are you aware of any tools that allows you to take lead lists from sales and plug them into paid marketing channels that is starting with SQL, then retargeting on Facebook? Uh, yes. Yeah, so if you have, so if you have a list of emails, you can, it's, well, Facebook or, or, you know, Google ads or whatnot, you can import that and create a lookalike audience. Uh, I think that's what you're asking for. So then your paid ads are hyper-targeted towards customer profiles that fit your existing customers. So it's usually just like uploading a CSV file into Facebook or, or Google. Um, you don't need a special tool for that. Most, most paid ad platforms allow that. Uh, as a like a direct Excel upload, and that's a great that's a great tactic. That is the the tactic of using lookalike audiences for your for your uh, for your paid. Right. Another question that we have from Akanch is: Can you take a talk about your first ten sales uh, before we move on to ten X? My my first ten sales. Yeah. So my first ten. Well, so way back, I guess my first my first sales job was um was door-to-door -door, uh lawn aeration so uh it was like a, <laughs> i've sold more than 10 things there but i'll just tell you about the the overall process it was basically walking down the street for about you know 12 hours a day hauling this big machine and going door-to-door -door asking people they wanted their lawn aerated it's when you know you get those little um those little things that look like small little like uh like dog poos like all over your lawn because they, they pull out the cores so that was my first that was my first sales job it was horrible um uh, then I moved into, into telco and I was doing uh, small business uh, in retail. So that was, and then I moved into a call center and then I moved into more larger mid and enterprise. Um, so, you know, and each of those jobs I've sold more than, than 10 things per se, but um, the experience has always been the same. I think that's probably the best lesson, right? It's about being authentic with the customer, uh, building trust with the customer, 
being you with the customer. Um, if, if you, if you feel like you can't stand behind the product you're selling, like quit in all seriousness, quit that job because it's going to be such a drain on you to sell something you don't believe in. So, um, you know, I spoke my first sales job uh, as lawn aeration. Like I quit that job. I think it was like after two or three weeks, like I just couldn't stand it because first of all, it was like physically difficult, but I also, you know, it wasn't something that I really cared about or stood behind. Um, it wasn't my thing. So anything that I've ever enjoyed selling and anything that I've ever been successful in selling, I genuinely believe that that product can solve for a customer's problem. And I would honestly say, if you don't feel that, if you don't have that passion into helping people and, and solving problems, I would honestly say quit your job because that's not, it's going to be excruciatingly difficult on your psychological well-being to sell something that you don't believe into customers because you will eventually build relationships with them. Right. So I think we have time for just one last question. Okay. Uh, in starting phase of food and beverage industry, how can, uh, how can we increase sales and what are the channels? So that's a loaded question, but I would say in any industry, um, what you should do is first of all, again, build out your brand. So you, if you're going to be in food and beverage, so you, you're going to build out, I don't know, I don't know the, what you have so far, but I would say build out your brand, build out across all your social, um, make sure that the problem that you're solving for customers is the, is that theme that like permeates and infiltrates all your sales and marketing collateral. So whenever, you know, you have a conversation with your customer, you know what problem you're solving for them. Um, and then I would say, uh, start exploring new social channels. Um, I, I'm a big fan of social selling, social media, uh, selling by video. These are all things that I think are going to put you ahead of all your other competitors. Um, because yes, we can speak about like, you know, how to, how to target across traditional industries. We can talk about inbound strategy. We can talk about outbound strategy. There's the, the sales and marketing gamut of activities is enormous. Um, but I think that the edge lies in things that a lot of your competitors aren't exploring yet. So selling with video is important selling on, on social, um, like, like social selling, but also taking to new social media channels, like these things that not every competitor is doing properly or effectively, or even willing to do yet, that's where I think you can uh, gain huge market share if your product is very much similar to everything else in the market. If you have a really disruptive product in food and beverage, that's amazing. So I would say that you probably have a little bit of an edge and you want to, and you want to hyper target um, you know, the audience that you're going after. But if, you, if your product is very, very generic, then I'd say just using channels that your, your competitors aren't. Okay, great, Scott. So thank you for uh, all the discussions and your insights and thank you for answering the questions. If you have any other questions, you can shoot it out to me. I'll move it on to Scott and he can probably answer those questions and get back to us. Thanks yeah. again, Scott. Thanks for joining. My pleasure, thanks. Hey, hope you like the recording. Do check us out at Amplis B2B Pinch for 11 more killer content. Also try out Amplis Sales Buddy if you want to bring that next customer who is waiting for you.